Hello, welcome to episode number 131 of the Apologue Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's guest is Ben Sir, and he's a musical guest, so usually I, for musical guests, I'll play the uh, theme song at the very start of the episode. So, before we get started, I want to let you know, I am doing a ride to Conquer Cancer. It's a charity bicycle ride, 200 kilometers in June, um, to raise awareness and to conquer cancer. Go to apolog.ca and click on the Ride to Conquer Cancer banner located on the top right side. Please pledge, tell a friend, help me out. i got to come up with $2,500 somehow. And if I don't, then uh, if I don't make my goal, then i got to pay it. <laughs> so uh, help help brother out, you know what I'm saying? So here we go. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by audible.com. Get a free audiobook, download, and a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash apologue. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Books on tape, everybody. It's important stuff. In When you do lots of driving like I do, books and tapes is a fun thing to, to listen to. So go to audibletrial.com slash apologue to get your free audio book and your 30-day free trial. Go there. I want to let you know that I am doing... An Amazon affiliate program. So if you go to, if you're from Canada, go to applelog.ca slash Amazon, and you will go directly to the Amazon website. Bookmark that link, and uh, you'll be supporting the show. If, if, if you're from anywhere else in the uh, UK or the United States or anywhere else in the world, go to applelog.ca and click on the links on the right side, just below the Ride to Conquer Cancer link. Bookmark those links. Support the show by shopping those bookmarked links. Every time you shop, it costs you no extra money. And it's a very cool thing. Help me out. Okay. I want to let you know I have a Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. Cancel at any time. I want to get going fast. I got some notes saying you talk too much at the start of the show. And here's this is me letting you know. Just real fast. I have a 3D printing shop. Go to insightrecorders.com slash 3D prints. Check out the store. Check out what's there. Um, I'm adding new stuff. It's a little pilot project of mine to see if 3D printing is a thing that you might be interested in. Insight Recorders is actually um, an online mixing place as well as a real recording studio. You can book time by getting in touch with me at insightrecorders.com slash contact. Check out the rates. Slash rates is the place to go check that out. Go to appalock.ca slash shop for anything you need to do with the podcast. You can buy a t-shirt there, buy some music. Please, don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars. It very, it really does help me out. Go to facebook.com slash pod to follow the show there, or like the show, I guess. And follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Okay. Okay. I got him done. Today on the show is Ben Sir. Ben Sir is in a band called Worst Stays Down. They have a new record out called Elsewhere. And I'm going to play a song right now, okay? Here it comes. This song is called Anchors.
Good, I'm recording. Sweet. Oh, man. I uh, No, I listened to your record a couple of days ago, and there's not a lot of records, like albums that come across what I do and go, oh, I can really associate to this. There's been a few bands that come through, and you're one of them where it's like, oh, my God, this is this is great, you know, and it's melodic. It's um, It feels like music that I can, you know, associate myself with and, uh, you know, so you've you've played in other bands before, obviously, right? Uh, yeah, I have. Yes, um, and I just want to say, like, real quick, like, this is uh, first off. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be looking because I've never done like a video <laughs> interview before. So I hope I'm not coming across as like, wow. He no, I'm like just taking the audio, so it's no big deal. It's no big deal. <laughs> okay, uh, but man, like, this is. I was just actually working with Melanie. Uh, is is strange, and like actually having a uh, a record label for the first time is kind of bizarre to me and i was just writing up another interview before i came in with you and it's like as like a punk rock kid or just a music fan in general you want to talk about this stuff but now that it's actually a thing i'm like i, I don't even know what to say <laughs> so so to hear uh to hear you say that uh I, I just i really appreciate it man thank you anytime um like i i truly mean it like i you know i i like i like the fact that i can about myself that I can I can find good stuff in all music, but when it really totally. does when there's when when it really does um, hit home, you know just the way the whole record goes together. Um, I listened pretty much to the end and went, oh, this is I could listen to this in a van. I could listen to this driving down the road, and uh, and you know you're you're you know you're, you're doing doing good work and you're from Edmonton, so that's a that's a good thing. And all all yeah. good roots rock and roll comes from Edmonton. <laughs> i you know what man like i i like the spirit of here I, like i was actually born in minneapolis mm-hmm. um my mom is and i didn't really think about the implications of this till later in life but my my dad is from uh the states my mom is from edmonton uh she actually was like where i work she's from like two blocks away and they met in las vegas and i was like i was like oh that's really cool but now that i'm older i'm like oh man mm-hmm. like you guys are just hitting on each other in las vegas <laughs> um and uh i think uh you know so growing up we would drive a couple times a year like 22 hours edmonton to minneapolis minneapolis to edmonton and i think like those long distances became normalized and one of the things that i've really appreciated hearing with the record is people are like it's a great album to drive to because mm-hmm. like that's where I, I i'm not trying to be over like overly romanticize it but like i honestly think that's where i get my clarity like of being able to think is because since i was a kid you know, you get in the car and you have all this time and very flat, open space to just think, you know? Yeah. And touring and things like that, too. You learn to appreciate when, when people would give you music to listen to from bands or whatnot, you know, you, you, you really do hang on to the good stuff, you know? Like, you yeah. know, I, I remember traveling in the early 90s across the, the prairies and we met 
the band's from his band Miss Fenson, Mrs. Fenson. Okay. And from from Regina, and we listened to this record all the way back to Toronto, and it was like sure. this is the best record we've ever heard, you know? Yeah. Because it was ours, you know what I mean? So that that was that was another thing. It was like we discovered this. This is ours, you know. We're bringing totally. it, we're bringing it back to the GTA, you know. Yeah. Uh, what was your band? We were. I was in a band called Trigger Happy. Are, are you in the oh, early nineties? Yeah. yeah, I was I, in the first version of Trigger Happy. I am very familiar. And then we crashed our van, and then I started a. I I joined a band called Red Fisher which was based okay. out of Winnipeg. And then okay. we would come to Edmonton and we, it was around the time of, what was around in Edmonton? It would have been the time of Pal Joey and, yeah. and, and King Lettuce and bands like that. <clears throat> but I don't think, we, we had more of a Calgary connection with bands, okay. you know, so uh, absolutely. You know, so I have a very strong um, bond with uh, Edmonton in general, you know. Sounds like it. If you don't mind me asking, if it's not too much of a distraction, like what uh, what Calgary bands? Oh gosh, um, I'm trying to remember uh, now. Now that you put me on the spot, oh, there, sorry, was, uh, there was there uh, was Wagbeard. Okay, not there, familiar. There was um, that was the band Wagbeard. Actually, the drummer ended up joining Trouble Charger. That, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So that was sort of the the mid '90s, and there was this band. God, I can't remember the name of it, but there, this guy Jonas was in the band, and I can't remember. Uh, and John was in the band, and they're gonna—he's gonna hate me now because he's my Facebook friend. <laughs> but it's so many years ago; it's like thirty. It feels like a hundred years ago. Oh, and it's probably before before my time. I just like I, I, there's something so deeply in, ingrained in me of like I, I just love talking about bands, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. finding that was almost kind of like my one. Like we just like I said, we got back from Europe like two and a half days ago. And uh, it was great to tour with a bunch of Edmontonians. But um, what I'm looking forward to next time is like, it would have been really nice to play with a local every night. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Just to learn about a bunch of German bands that I've never heard before, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I toured a bit in, in Europe and I would meet bands who would be, you know, you'd, you'd meet bands it's so funny because they look at you differently. Like it's, it's, yeah. you know, we look at each other, like we're, we're just Canadian people. We play in bands, but there's a different vibe of, um, you know, bands from Europe in general are like, they have this sort of love for, you know, can, you know, North American music. And particularly I feel like there's a Canadian, they have a nice, strong Canadian bond. Um, I don't know why, maybe because they were like, they think that we don't like Americans or something or something, but there's some sort of like weird, like you guys are much better because you're not American or something. It's, it's really funny. And like having like, I, I feel really lucky to have like, well, a, to be a dual citizen and have been exposed to like living both in Canada and the States, Yeah, but being very also aware of like the differing reputations that you have, like deserved or not, like don't yeah. get me wrong. Like I understand particularly now why America is not particularly popular. Mm -hmm. um that being said i mean like one of the main things that punk rock ever told me tommy is that like you know you know there's good people everywhere yeah. and uh you know the americans us americans certainly aren't giving the best international portrayal at the moment but i i do agree with you because like and i i think there's another part of it too like if i'm here in edmonton and i hear like oh hey there's a german band or a swedish band playing down the street I'm going to go because I'm like, wow, I'm not going to see that often. Mm -hmm. But I realized being in Europe, that's the same for us is that it's kind of, you know, you know, here, like we could play in Winnipeg and it's like, oh, some other dipshit 
band from Edmonton is playing Winnipeg. Who cares? But over there, it's like, oh, we get to meet some Canadians and have fun. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's cool. And then to also feel the responsibility of like, I want to live up to that Canadian reputation. And then if I can slide it in at the end, I'm like, by the way, I'm also American. <laughs> yeah. like, you hit him with a double one too. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. you know, you know, maybe, maybe that helps, you know? So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you've, you've been living up in Edmonton pretty much your whole life, or you said just something about you were in Oshawa before then, or. Yeah, I was, I was born in Minneapolis and we lived there until I was three. And then we moved to Oshawa. Obviously like, I don't remember it, but uh, lived in Oshawa for a year. My little brother, he was born there, moved to Edmonton. So I was 15, moved back down to Minneapolis till I was 18, moved back to Edmonton, lived in Vancouver for a year, been back in Edmonton for four years. So. Okay, yeah. So when you moved out to Vancouver, well, that was to pursue music or was that to get away from the house? Um, well, I mean, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm 32. And at that point, like I, it was mostly to just focus on music. I was still performing acoustically at the time because uh, worst days down, it all started by me playing by myself. Uh, my old band had broke up and um, a relationship had ended and uh, I just finished university and uh, I'm very stubborn that I refuse to play in bands if I'm not friends with everybody. So I'm like, well, I'm not just going to make people play music with me, so I'll play acoustically. And I was like, you know what? I'm just kind of done with working in bars. I just want to focus on music. And I was only there for about six months and not the typical Edmonton way of like, okay, I'm out here. I've fucked up i'm moving back to edmonton but uh a friend of mine was opening a bar and he's like i want you to move back to edmonton so you can focus on music and work in our bar i'm like god damn it like uh this was not the point but it's pretty cool like i i run this place when i'm here and it's largely comprised of musicians of all sorts of bands so it's like when we're in town we work our butts off but we have the ability that regardless of how much we have to tour we can leave so it was a pretty ideal situation that, you know, there's certain things about Vancouver I miss and would like, but being older and realizing that we have like an ability to fundamentally impact Edmonton's scene and music culture. Yeah. That's cool. Absolutely. And we're in a different world where we were 20 years ago or 20 years ago, if you wanted to go be in the Mecca of music, you went to three places. You went to Montreal, Toronto, or Vancouver mm-hmm. to quote unquote, make it. And if you didn't yeah. make it, then you weren't going to make it in your shit ass town, even if it was Edmonton. And, totally. You know, and I mean that with all the respect that I can I can give. But there I was totally no, understand. You know, there wasn't actually an alternative music r- radio station in the early two thousands in Edmonton. Like there wasn't. Totally. There wasn't one there. I worked for I worked for Sum Forty One as their tour manager, and we okay. couldn't we couldn't get played on on you know Edmonton radio because there was no station for it. So that's my point, you know. And that was that. Oh, it's getting up there now. So, so the idea that you went, you know, now you can, you know, you can become successful, popular in any town, um, mm-hmm. using the right avenues to, to, to be successful or popular. And if you do things ethically, right, everything's fine. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, because I do remember like there's bands I know that moved to Toronto from like Sault Ste. Marie. And like, why are you, why are you doing that? Yeah. Well, that's the only way we're going to make it. Well, okay. You know? Which is so bizarre, too, because, like, one thing that I, like, one of my primary complaints about Vancouver, and I don't have many, um, is that people move there for this whole idea of making it, but, like, the community itself is pretty lacking in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, like don't, and, and maybe that's because there's always a, it's an international city, and, you know, there's going to be a million touring shows that you can go to all the time, but, like, the, like, 
but the music scenes in themselves were not nearly as we just cut out oh he's on a good thread there too dude you cut out Yes, I'm connected. Good primary, yeah. Maybe he's going to come back. Oh, he's back. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah, you just cut out. God, you're oh, in sorry. such a good thread there. You're such a good... <laughs> where, where did I end? Uh, you were talking like... about um, there's ton um, live music scene, the live mu music scene in, in Vancouver. Yeah, and... Um... So here at Edmonton, like you, you're responsible for making your own fun. And uh, right outside, so there's this. I don't. Did you ever hear of a bar called Wonder Bar mm -mm. in Edmonton? No. It, it it was a total dive, but for about five years, Craig, who's hosting a trivia night, he works here now at a place, the place I run called the Buckingham, and he just very much understood, and it's the same approach that we take that we're going to go above and beyond and show the bands the best hospitality so that they know on the road that Edmonton is somewhere to look forward to go. Mm -hmm. And like, I like that underdog mentality because you have to give people a reason to, to, to want to be here. And it feels really gratifying when we'd bump into bands in other parts of the world. And they're like, Oh man, like Edmonton's a great city. I was like, and I, I feel the responsibility of that. You know, mm -hmm. I want, I, I want to be a piece of that. And because otherwise, yeah, it does remain just Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto, and they're all great cities, but there's a lot of great stuff in between. Yeah. The first time Bad Religion played um, in like the prairies was Edmonton. Yeah. And they played the, the convention center. Yeah. And SNFU opened, and I mixed sound for SNFU. It was Dave Reese's. And Brent Belke's last show. No shit. Yeah. And it was like, a, and, and I actually recorded it onto ADATS. <clears throat> and I think Brent still has that recording. And it was like, yeah, Dave Reese's last show. And it was like, I think they did it. It was like, they were thought there was going to be 2,000 people. I think it was like over 6,500 people went and saw Bad Religion, you know? Wow. And that was like a big thing, like people driving all over, you know? And it's also the Smalls. The Smalls are from Edmonton. That... That, that band is, um, I mean, gosh, like they are the epitome of DIY. They are yeah. the epitome of like punk rock ethics. They're good people. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, God damn, like that band, which was is the awesome. biggest thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's funny because one of the, and this was, would have been before I got into punk rock, but a kid moved, uh, when I was in the fifth grade, he moved to Edmonton and he was, uh, the Belkey's nephew. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I, my uncles had a band. They had a country rock band. He's like, oh, my uncles have a band too. It's a punk rock band. I'm like, wow, what's punk rock? And <laughs> two, two years later, I, I'm getting Fai Laba and loving it. And yeah. I like what you said about the Smalls too, because like, and this is kind of a heathen thing to say, because like I, I, I saw the Smalls so many times growing up and they were never stylistically my thing. I hold them in such like a high respect and regard. Like the biggest thing is, is like being nice people. Like... Mm -hmm. I think being a little bit older now too, of just like, like that's to me, like I could not give less of a shit what you do or what you play. But if you're a nice person and you work hard with your band, I want to be friends with you. Period. That's, you know, you, you've said it, you've hit it on the head. You know, I work with bands too. I'm a sound guy. I'm a tour manager and I yeah. work, I'll work with anybody if they're nice people. Like I worked for one band. I didn't really work for them. I came in to do some recording for them and you could tell that the crew didn't really like each other. And you could tell that the band didn't really like each other. You can tell that the band and the crew weren't getting along. It's yeah. so caustic. I'm like, Bleh. I don't, 
can't work in this scene. I'm so used to everybody going, like everybody went and ate in their own place. Like they went to eat, you know, and you're like, well, don't we have, no, bands hang out. That's what bands do. And, and bands hang out with the crew. And they, you could tell there was a very big divide between band and crew and, and just band in general were not jiving. So, you know, I, I don't think that's why I got into working for bands or working with music, you know? So yeah, you kind of, you hit it home there for sure. That's, it's important. You know, you, we're such a small country um, when it comes to the music industry, you know, that we need to somehow all get along, you know, no matter what type of music. Totally. And I think Edmonton in Winnipeg and like Saskatoon and towns like that were like yep. good at metal dudes hanging out with punkers and punkers hanging out with new wave guys. And it all kind of did kind of work out, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I like, I, re I really feel you on what you were saying there too, because like, I mean, the whole reason I played acoustically um oh no go cut now oh you're there yeah sorry sorry my roommates uh actually i'll get into this so we got back from tour and uh our guitarist uh kevin he's a great dude him and his girlfriend are splitting up so he's uh staying with me so he was just calling me there so i'm just responding to him real quick i apologize for anytime man no Oh man, I'm sorry about that. All good, man. You back? Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> um, it's like I can't handle it anymore, man. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> well, I just feel I feel bad because like he's going through a lot. Like when we were gone, like his grand his grandfather passed away, yeah. and um, like he's it, it it's interesting. Like well, it kind of ties into what you're saying. Like the reason I played acoustically is I refuse to play in bands with people I'm not friends with, and I don't understand it when I see it. It's like man, like you're in such close proximity doing all these things and every now and again i'll see a band and say like, you don't even seem like you're enjoying yourself whether it be like the the music or the experiences or like thinking about where you are and i really feel like kevin and i like we're pals but we got a lot closer on this tour and you know with his grandfather passing away and not that it's my place to talk about their relationship of him getting to a point where he's like you know what i have to i'm not happy and now he's living in my apartment with me like to me, that's a band, mm -hmm. you know, is your, and that's the whole reason I got involved with music to begin with was to go see the world and do stuff with these people and listen to, like you were saying about like that record that you got of that band from Regina, listen to some music that feels your own and makes stupid jokes and chain smoke cigarettes on the highway. And like, man, like that's everything to me. And that's yeah. really cool. Well, it's the experience you take home that makes you go create more music um mm -hmm. you know and that you know it's it is a bit of an ad you know an old adage where you can't write blues in an air-conditioned room and yeah. you need heartbreak to make this and that but at the same time who who told who said that you need to have your heart broken to go make good music you know like you have yeah. great experiences like i you know i was so inspired because i played in bands and I, I went on tour and we did europe and i would be like in some weird town and i'd be like having like so many inspirations to, to go and create stuff and and yeah so having good experiences can also be important you know you don't always have to be like starving and 
and heartbroken. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, totally. It sounds romantic, but it it kind of sucks when when you have but to go through it. It blows. Mm. And like, um, there's a couple songs on the record where, um, and one of the so we we're working with this label called Gunner and uh, Gunner Records, and that's also the label head's name. And uh, this was well before anything was solidified with them. Like we were not signed by them or anything. And he came up to me after a show and he just said, he's like, no death, no girls, no heartbreak. You write me a party song. And I'm just like, and cause one time before I wrote one of the songs, I'm like, I'm going to write an upbeat song. And it totally just turned out like depressing. Um, <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put that line in it. No death, no girls and not expecting to be signed by this guy at all. Yeah. And that, ended up being one of the songs he really liked and mm -hmm. just like bizarre like that but like i realized that um i'm not you know the most uplifting of lyricists sorry i'm just uh, doing a thing. um sorry again um but like having those experiences in europe and it was cool talking with kevin who's going through all this stuff and him coming back and him saying, like, man, like I feel more inspired than anything to get to a better place. And we've just, even in the last couple of days, just been working so much on new music. And he just started writing for a publication. And that, that's the whole thing. And not to get too meta, but like I realized with the record and almost every song is kind of, and it's only through doing these interviews that I've actually figured it out, is all those songs are kind of about like, writing about something dark and finding the optimism in it and you know in the positivity like it's not a pessimistic record mm -hmm. and um yeah so sorry that was kind of tangential no no, but, no. Uh, uh that's what this show's about oh, okay great <laughs> well i go off brother def definitely a blabbermouth so just tell me to <laughs> shut up at any point oh don't worry i've done ones where this is if you do the easy lifting for me it's like this is great i don't need <laughs> <laughs> no i i like listening i do um well, you know, when you say, you know, you're, 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 you're finding the, the, the good in the, you know, out of the bad, that's kind of what music is anyways. You know what I mean? You're kind of looking for, you're looking for something, whether it, whatever type of music comes on the radio, you're like, okay, well, this is going to be assaulted towards me. This is going to be put towards me. I need to find a reason, you know, artistically why I can enjoy this, you know? Totally, man. Like one of my favorite jobs, um, and it was actually a job that, uh, well, it's kind of right when Worst Days was actually starting. So I came back. I was working in Guatemala, came back, hated my job. So I quit and was going to focus on music. And the only bartending job I could get, which was never my plan to be a bartender. It just happens to be conductive to being a touring musician. Mm -hmm. And um, it was at like kind of like a popular top 40 like restaurant and dance bar. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to hate this, but I'm homeless. So I'll do it. And it was I met such an amazing group of people that was a really good wrap upside my head i'm like oh as a punk rocker we're all open-minded but really was i being mm -hmm. and that's kind of where the whole it became formative of like i don't care what you're into um and that would that job allowed me to you know go and do this whole thing yeah I remember there was more of a connecting thought that started that, and I don't remember what that was. <laughs> but, so. but when you were writing it, though, did you write it in a tangent, or did you write it in, in, in a row? Did it take a period of time to write? Um, how did how did the writing process go on this? Uh, like the new album? Yeah. 
Um, that one was gradual because some of them, I would say half the songs I wrote acoustically uh, when I was playing by myself, but it was always with the idea in mind of eventually playing in a band again. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't going to be until I felt I had a group of friends that I was close enough with, not like out of like being afraid or anything. I just, you know, I want to travel around with my buds. And once we started playing together as a band, about the other half of the record was put out. But like, there's some of those songs that are like three or four, like, I don't know. There's even one that's, yeah, four years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just kind of, it, it's interesting because that album is all songs that I wrote. And only now that it's out, we're like, oh, we're this band. We're only really now learning how to be a band because only now are we all writing stuff completely together and really hitting the road hard it's a really like it's a really exciting challenge right now absolutely you know and you and you struggle to find that band that of people that you can you know go through shit with as well as go through nice times with you know my 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 big struggle was to find a band that could put up with the bullshit as well as the good you know the bands were always there to sort of relish in the free beer and the fact that there was fun to be had but there is mm-hmm. so much more than that, you know, and we know it. And it's tough to explain to people like how much work it goes into heading up your own band. And that's kind of, kind of what you did. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it, it, it's cool that you said that too, because it's weird, like for, you know, being older and never having had a label or backing and, you know, you, there's that idealized sense of self growing up that you're like, Oh man, one day I'm going to be that guy. And, but having learned it and completely done the whole, I, I guess only in like the last year, as much as I've said it a million times, I've really realized like people have thrown it at us, like the DIY approach. It's like, Hey, you've toured throughout Europe and Canada and the United States with nobody giving a shit Yeah. that, you know, I, I take, it wasn't only until like the last couple of months where I was like, kind of gave myself a pat on the back. I was like, Oh, I really did. But being older and now having these opportunities, I actually feel quite grateful for it because everything is a new step up but i also feel there's a maturity there that like we're not i asked myself why am i still doing this like it's not so i can party it's not so i can get laid if those things happen along the way cool i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain but like also our bassist matt he went through rehab uh for uh, alcohol uh, addiction this past summer so to go to europe for him was a huge challenge and he did an amazing job but were there to back him up of like, if it was ever a night where he's like, I need you guys to not drink or anything like totally cool, man. We're here for you. Like we're friends first. We're a band second. And, um, you know, to have the differing motivations of, I can only imagine how much of a dipshit I would have been if I was 22 years old and having those opportunities. Yeah. And I just think there's a lot more cultural appreciation for us to be up at eight in the morning. Cause we're like, man, we, we got to go see the Holocaust Memorial or go to Dachau uh, or Murph. Uh, he's really into the never ending story. So we went to the, uh, what was it? The Bavarian film Institute. So we could ride on Falcor, like the actual <laughs> flying dog. And we were on the streets by 8am man. Yeah. And like, that feels good. Like, I don't want to spend my life hungover, you know? No, no. It's funny. You'd say that because I, I went back to Europe to play and I brought some friends along with me. And I don't really have like a, a brand or any of that stuff, but I did have a bunch of people I knew that could book shows for us. 
and mm-hmm. uh, went over for nine days. I took three of my friends with me, and uh, and and they get to see it for the first time, and I've seen it for a few other times. But the fact that when it was the very first time to the very last time, it was all about going and experiencing things. You yep. know, where's the best? We found the best Thai food in Cologne. You know, like yeah. you know stuff like that. You know, like yeah. You know, and it's just exciting, you know, because you're that far away and you're in a whole different group of people that have been on the earth longer than we have. You know, you think about that society has been there for over 2000 years. It's mental. It's yeah. crazy. You know, you think you've been yeah. in a town that's over 800 years old, you know? Yeah. And I worked, I worked in a town that was celebrating their 30th anniversary. <laughs> you know, it's a few years now, yeah. maybe it's their 50th, but yeah, it's it's incredible. Like our oldest city is what four hundred years old in Canada, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Old, old Quebec, but eight been in Bruges and it's eight hundred years old. And you're in a town that's used to like I don't know. It had a moat. <laughs> yeah, I I went to I went to a I'm irrationally obsessed with uh, Disney's Robin Hood. Well, Robin Hood in general, mm-hmm. but I went to a pub in Nottingham that had been there since I think 1092, mm-hmm. and it was where Crusaders would go for a drink before riding their horses to Jerusalem. <laughs> and, uh, and like, I guess like as much as like, I don't know, I, I'm kind of like, I'm really into history and geography. And as much as like, I was kind of preparing for myself, like just like the, the architecture, everything of just realizing I'm like, man, like this bar mm-hmm. predates my province. Yeah. Yeah. And, like it's cool. It's cool to go to Quebec. Cause you can kind of feel like, a little piece of Europe was airlifted and dropped in the middle of our country. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that kind of stuff makes me tick. Like there was a day. Hmm. I'm curious of my drummer, how he'll take this. So uh, we were in Trier, which is the oldest oh, I know city. Trier. In, yeah. 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 And like, so you've been there before. Yeah. Yeah. We played there with the weaker dance. You played there with the weaker dance. 2003. In Trier. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I want to, I, I need to spin this around and interview you because like, I'm, I, I'm so yeah, yeah. In, intrigued. And um, so uh, did you see the Black Gate when you were there? No, but we played in this weird old army bunker, like this army, okay. army, army barrack that was like a youth hostel drop-in center kind of place. Well, yeah. even that, man, like like the some of the venues and like what they're repurposed. Like we played in a place called Rostick two years ago, which was like an old Soviet military kind of not bunker, but like. I don't even actually know what the proper word would be, but like essentially was used for the local municipality to like propagate the people. This is where you kind of were brought into, to be told this is what's going on in the world. And, um, but Trier was crazy because there was still legitimate Roman ruins there. Yeah. And it's the birthplace of Karl Marx and like, uh, just just crazy stuff like that like we're running around being like man beethoven is from here and <laughs> yeah. uh, like like Ma- max weber like myself and murph like we both took sociology at school so we're at a max weber um train station in uh munich and dorking out about it and people are like what the fuck is wrong with you guys like you're supposed <laughs> to be this punk rock band they're like oh man this is so fascinating like, yeah i almost made because we were on tour in 2004 and we were opening for 10 foot pole and we were sharing a tour bus with him and i almost made our tour bus driver because we were driving up towards to get the calais um 
what's it called uh, to get across to D- Dover. To Dover, yeah, yeah. And and I almost made our tour bus driver like make a left to hit to where it's to go over by Normandy. Like you yeah. got to do this. We got to go see. This is history, you know. He was Dude. German though, so he wasn't too excited. <laughs> he wasn't too excited yeah. about helping us out with that. Well, one. we. Uh, I. It's funny that you say that because that was one of my biggest things the first time we were over there, or I was over there acoustically because I was like, man, like um so close to normandy i have to see it i I didn't but like this time we played in a town have you played flensburg before no no it's just like it's it's not that big of a town it's a cool town but it's five kilometers from the danish border i'm like i don't know if i'm going to live long enough to see denmark so we walked into denmark and i made sure granted i could kind of pitch it to some of the sticklers uh but um uh we were really close to Luxembourg. I'm like, man, we have to go to Luxembourg because yeah. like, just to say, Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say about my drummer. So we're coming out of Luxembourg right in Trier. So Trier across the border into Luxembourg and we're coming up this beautiful hill. And it's not often that there's like a view that like just kind of grabs me. Um, not to say like, I'm not, I don't feel I'm a jaded person at all, but um, it was so stunning that all of us in the van are like, Whoa, but our drummer's a mechanic. Mm-hmm. So on the right hand side is this, beautiful valley it's 25 degrees just sun swept so green and on the left is an esso station he's just like oh holy shit they have essos over here <laughs> starts talking about what he likes about esso and we're like man turn your head <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. 45 degrees man and like yeah. that's kind of tour in general like if you want to focus on the the booze and the partying and don't get me wrong man like i had some I had some late nights and I had some great conversations and slurry speeches with people, but uh, that's not going to change the fact that, you know, the next day where it's like, Hey, yeah, I get you're thinking tourist party time, but do we have to go see Daco concentration camp? Yes, we have to see it. You know? Absolutely. You know, we didn't go to Dachau, but we, we were in Augsburg, which was close to it. And we almost went, but we kept getting lost and we didn't realize the concept of GPS. So, we would yeah. we would find ourselves driving around towns trying to like find the venue before we could actually do anything. So yep. the last time or last two times when we had GPS, so we could actually like, you know, find the backstage in in Munich. You know, like it's right there. That's backstage. It's only five minutes off the highway. Where before yeah. it'd be like three hours driving around in circle. You know, trying to find this goddamn fucking venue. Never found it. But um, man, and like, oh sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. It's, it, oh well, I was just thinking like from when I would have first started touring um, and uh, MapQuest being a thing yeah. of like you print it off and that seemed really advanced. Like I can't imagine, like I think about like another state of mind, Yeah. like the, the movie where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. well, we're going to, we're going to go up to Canada yeah. and in this school bus, like how to, and be booking tours through, you know, postage, like, we're pretty damn lucky. Like we were yeah. a bunch of North Americans that have this GPS now, like, and just how reliant we are on it now. Yeah. But I was like, man, bands have gotten through this for, well, centuries, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. There's actually stories like DOA would tour in Northern Ontario. It'd be dirt roads. They'd be driving yep. on dirt roads to get to wherever, to get up to Thunder Bay, you'd be driving on a dirt road. And th- yeah. that, that blows my mind because even when I started touring in the early 90s, 
you'd leave Sault Ste. Marie and you're, there'd be no cell service. That was like a big yeah. thing. I don't even know what yeah. it's now now, what it's like now, but I remember that being a big thing. And I thought we're driving in the most dangerous part of Ontario highways and there's no cell service. It's, it blows my mind. Um, Night danger. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Have you done that drive, the, the Thunder Bay to Sault Ste. Marie? It's pretty- I have a couple, a couple times. You know what, man? Like that was the biggest, I, I think, I was actually having this conversation because we're, we're touring out to Puzza in uh, May, right? Uh, in, it's in, in May? May. Yeah. And uh, I am really thankful that I've done it a couple times. Like just to A, appreciate the sheer like, you know, I, I really feel like, man, sorry, I'm going to go on like nine different tangents. Absolutely. Um, uh, like it's cool that international travel is such a huge thing. And even as like a bartender, we think about like the different priorities that younger kids have now rather of like some of our owners are like, well, why are kids not buying shots? I'm like, cause kids are fucking flying to Thailand, man. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But I, I do feel like every Canadian should make the drive from Vancouver East to just appreciate the sheer enormity and surprising beauty. That is the Canadian shield. Mm-hmm. That said, I've done it three times. I don't feel the need to do it too many more times because it yeah. is so enormous, but yeah. this time we are. And like, just like the amount of times that we pulled over for lakes to be like, man, that's so beautiful. I have to jump in that. I have to yeah. swim there. Yeah. And, um, but there was one time where like, you know, leaving Winnipeg after the show and, uh, you know, so leaving Winnipeg at like 1am and then driving overnight and there's just like bears running across the street. Or not streets highway yeah. and uh everyone else is asleep and i'm just playing like james taylor and the calmest music i possibly can because <laughs> otherwise i would just be freaking the fuck out and there's just like it, it kind of felt like jurassic park because yeah. like every you know like there's very little shoulder and the trees are looming over you and then every seems like every kilometer is a sign that says night danger and this giant moose that you're just waiting to come around the corner and like oh well there's the motherfucking t-rex that's gonna eat me <laughs> you, you, you know yeah absolutely i've been in that situation you know that there's a time there's a dangerous time it's uh yeah. when the sun starts coming up that's the dangerous time to to drive in in canada um for some reason when the when the sun comes up you become very uh things become a bit sketchy Totally. Sounds looks uh, like you know what it's funny. I can see like the wires and stuff. Like, are you like, where are you? I'm in the office, the very tiny office of the bar that I operate. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like the There's breakers. A lot, lot going on there. A lot going yeah. on. Yeah, that's it's a good pod, by the way. No, nobody, nobody can see that. But um, it's, <laughs> it's a it's a glorified it's a glorified closet. So that's all good. So yeah, driving. I've done that drive where I've had moose run out and race me. I've had uh, I've had tra- times where I was trying to dra- pa- pass it like a snowplow, and then the snow yep. would just start puffing up, and I'd be driving in white, going, "I yeah. think we're gonna make it." Um, yeah. When when I toured, I toured a lot with SNFU in the in the mid nineties uh, yeah. during Fulaba. Actually, I I played keyboards yeah. on Fulaba. Um, on Bobbit. Are you serious? Yeah, I played on Bobbit. Yeah. And it and it's called. Fuck you, you up like a bad, yeah. Fuck you up like a bad accident. Is and I've the, been saying Fiulaba for the last twenty. Oh my god, <laughs> Fiulaba. <laughs> fuck you okay. up like a bad accident. But no, I play. I, but we we actually canceled soundcheck. So driving into Sault Ste. Marie, so we could hit golf balls into Lake Superior. So that that was like you know. So we're like, ah, we're not in soundcheck. We'll just we'll just hit golf balls. Um, yeah. But the um, 
Yeah, that's that's an insane drive. I, I do, you know, because there's been a few times, and it's very impossible to do, but where you leave and you go, you know what, I'm going to go through Detroit, I'm going to go up through Minneapolis, I'm going to end up through, uh, uh, up, up, come up just south of Winnipeg or whatever, and it's cheaper, yeah. but it's harder to get across that border. And that will never change for some reason. Like, you know, yeah. for some reason we are like the, the, the impending doom to America. We're going to come and <laughs> we're going to take all their American money and with our acoustic guitars and things, you know, and it's such a crazy system, you know, like, do you, do you travel in the States? Like, do you have any inspiration to do that? Like what's your, Oh, should, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, like being an American by birth, you um, can get in there though. That's the good thing. Yeah. That, that is the good thing. Like, which can help. Um, I was actually having this conversation the other day with, um, because Kevin, again, our guitarist Kevin, he, um, I feel like we've had a good approach because we've never had difficulties. Mm -hmm. Some of it was like, you know, we do like the whole fake recording contract and stuff like that. But the last couple of times it was, Kevin's like very logical where he was just like, almost is kind of like, well, they're like, well, why are you coming this way? He's like, well, you guys have such like a beautiful country. Kind of like almost stoked the like, oh yeah, we do have a beautiful country. But he's also <laughs> like, he's like, but the economic side of it, it was just like, oh, yeah, we're we're down here contributing. You know, we're buying gas down here and stuff. And it seems in recent years, at least from, and I'm sure this isn't the case for everybody, that it's been easier, at least for us, mm -hmm. that I, I wasn't approaching the border with this sense of impending doom, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like it, you know, like the towns are just closer together, like. I don't know. They, they both have their benefits. And I, I just, I feel very lucky to have done both and we even have to have this conversation with you where we can talk about that. Yeah. You know, and there is a part of me that it's been, what was the last time I did the shield? Uh, three years ago. So it's been long enough that I'm kind of like, Oh, you know, I want to do that again. But halfway through it, I'm like, Oh, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why? But like, even that, that was a really cool thing about doing Europe is, our concept of distance, which is more of a testament to just how mental Canada is geographically. Like the first time we were over there and people were like, Oh man, I can't believe we have a four hour drive. Yeah. Like, Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Just the like, East coast what? of America is the same thing. It's like, we're driving to <coughs> yeah. Philadelphia boys, you know, better get a book is we're leaving New York and we're leaving at nine. We've got to be there for 11. You're like, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's crazy to think that, you know, we're in, we're in Germany, we were, when we're in Germany, um, and I think they were kind of surprised that we had, again, just because I'm so into geography, we're surprised that we knew. I'm like, well, you guys have like 82 million people in a country that is 60% the size of Alberta. Yeah. Our total country has 36 million people, like, and, you know, living in, you know, conservative Alberta, obviously with the, you know, NDP election a couple of years ago, it's it's not quite the same, but like, Obviously, like reactionary racist bullshit, you're not going to find much logic in it. Mm -hmm. But what I did think was funny is some people were putting up these stickers that says like Alberta's full. I was <laughs> like, there is literally nowhere on the earth that that is less true. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you know, like we could, mm -hmm. you know, Germany alone shows that you know we, we could put a hundred million people in this province and still be very comfortable. Oh yeah, and yeah. Totally. Even drive from St. Louis to Las Vegas and tell me that America's full, because totally. it, it ain't. There, there's yeah. lots of lots of nice green space and and you know farmer fields and things like that. And one might argue that maybe not enough farmers fields for the amount of people in the world, but 
There's mm-hmm. a lot of space, a lot of open, wide open space. And I'm not saying we have to fill it full of people, but it's true with Germany, you know, because, you know, maybe, you know, maybe socioeconomically that's okay because everybody's so close together that they don't need to worry about like the distance to bring trade and things like that. Because Canada is like that, you know, like put totally. things on a train, it's going to go 14 hours before it reaches its destination. And, and when it comes to farm food and things like that, like we, like I try to, get food that's close to my town because it it it's sort of what I try to do to make things better. Of course. But, you know, and 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 it's certain things you can't just can't get. Remember, I don't know, you're there was a time you just couldn't get food, like certain types of food. All right, w- w- would it be unprofessional of me if it's still quiet to go out for a cigarette while we're talking? You can smoke. Yeah, do that. Let's do that. Cool. We're going to have a smoke to, now. You know what? Like this time actually like a uh, whatever it was uh and it almost sounds like theoretical, like um, a week ago in Germany was like the first time I was like, you know what, I should think about quitting again. And, and I mean, this is all probably justification for compulsive and addictive behavior, but like I've never really struggled with vice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm addicted to smoking, but like I've always eaten very well. I've always had really good exercise habits and uh, through my whole adult life, which is great. So I just kind of rationalized in my head. I was like, oh, that's your thing. Like you said, like, I feel like I'm really good at it. I'm like, that, that's your thing of, you know, I have all these justifications in my head of it's how I concentrate or it's how I have my alone time, which is very true for working in bars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have that five minutes where you can just kind of, you know, do your thing. But undeniably, it's an awful and addictive behavior. So, Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, I also thought that smoking fostered a lot of um, creativity. When they stopped smoking in, in, in coffee shops and things, I always thought that's going to kind of harm people who write books or people that, you know, who, who do things that are creative, creative that need cigarettes, you know. And I don't know. I haven't even read, I haven't read too many books, but I don't know how, how it's affected um, people who write but I know that there's like certain people, I forget his name now, but he's a writer on The Simpsons. He actually bought the diner that he used to go to, um, all the, the furniture, so he could put it in his living room so he could feel like he was writing at this diner that he used to write to write at all yeah. the time. So just to get it back, you know, because he can't smoke in this diner, you know, so it's a... A few questions. So like, I, it was interesting also just freshly being in Europe and like, you know, places having smoking rooms or somebody asking, I stepped out for a cigarette and they're like, um, can you please step back into the bar to have your smoke? I'm like, where the hell am I? Um, but are, are you a Simpsons fan? Oh yeah. Oh, so we, we do a, a Simpsons night, like the classic seasons, I should say. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. First five seasons, like first five to 10 seasons. I would say, yeah, like seasons two to 10. Like, I uh, we do every second month we do like a Simpsons trivia night and Simpsons costume contest. And we actually had a band, that performed uh, live all Simpsons songs. <laughs> it was the fucking best. Wow. But um, I was actually thinking about kind of like a similar idea in regards to phones, because like I'm not a very phone reliant but um, I'm thinking about creativity of like how many good things came from those moments where you were by yourself thinking and now you're outside and you're checking instagram or twitter or whatever and you're not just like in the isolation of your own thoughts you Mm -hmm. know and like how is that going to impact creativity and or even just like self 
realization when you're just constantly looking for like like i'm I'm really curious also and like I, and i don't understand a lot of psychology i'm not schooled in it or anything but uh my sister-in-law is and she was talking about like the actual like endorphin kicks people get off like getting likes like like how's that going to affect people chemically you know and i don't yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. You're, you're explaining. Actually, I had a guest who was a um, who's a, who is a psychologist, um, and he talked about that. And he talked about there was a time where you'd sit on your couch and you'd stare off into space and you'd think yeah. about nothing or everything. It didn't mm-hmm. matter what you were thinking about, and then you weren't interested in what other people thought of you. And that became another thing that was so funny. You almost put it in the right order, how he talked about it, because people are worried now about importance when it comes to social network. When we all know, when you put a Facebook like event and it says mm-hmm. 39 people are coming, there might be yeah. five, you know, we know that. You know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so people will just naturally say, Oh, we're going to go. Let's go because I want to go, but they won't go. And, yeah. you know, we're in a different time now. It's it's interesting you'd say that because everybody's really concerned about what other people think of them, but they're really not that interested in, like, just having alone time, just time to themselves to think about what's happening now. Like, what's, ha- you know, it's, it's you're right, you know, and I, I think conversation is, is missing, too, in, in our world. We need to, more right. of that. Absolutely, man. I mean, like... um. I'm just trying to organize my thoughts properly here. Uh, shit, I lost it. Um, I, I mean, you're never going to replace that feeling, right? Um, oh, man, I had something really good there, and I really wanted to say it, and I'm fucking, oh, trying so hard to conjure. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. It's all good. <laughs> I, I think I blew it. It's totally good, um, man. It's totally good. But that's what this show is about, too, is that we come up with little moments of, hey, this is cool. Let's try that. You know, and that's what the show yeah. is about, is conversation. And we come up with little epiphanies. You know, maybe I should call it Little Epiphanies. That's not bad. The Little Epiphanies podcast. Oh, and like, it, but then simultaneously, I think technologically, like, there are benefits of it. I remember, like, because I used to write for a few publications and, uh, I'd have something in my head. I'm like, man, I really wish I had something on me right now to write that down. Mm-hmm. And even though I had a smartphone for a couple of years, I didn't know that there was like a voice recorder. So I'd have like a riff or a lyric line in my head or yeah. something. People are like, you realize that's at your fingertips <laughs> all the time, right? Like, no, nope, yeah. didn't, know, didn't yeah. know that. I have a friend who's written hundreds and hundreds of songs on his iPhone. And we're talking, I'm like, you better try to back that up. He goes, what, what, how do you do that? I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, stop for a second. You have hundreds and hundreds of songs on your iPhone, yet you don't know how to take those songs and put it somewhere where they'll be safe. Because now nah, they're just on my phone and my phone dies. I'm screwed. Like yeah. maybe they'll be on the cloud. I don't know. Like, I'm like, God, we're at such a weird time where, you know, I had physical a physical item. You just grab onto that and go, that's mine. I'm going to take, you know, I'll use that. I'll hang on to that, you know. And and you're still of that. You're, yeah. you're still in that that generation of thing. Like, I just need to have it as mine you know and analog tape yeah. and all that stuff you know we're in a weird spot now well and it, it's interesting i'm realizing that i am kind of like the shoulder generation between that i'm going to be the last generation of people that remembers what it was like to you know we didn't have the internet till i was and we were kind of late to the game on that like till i was like 
14 or 15 or something, which thank fucking God. I can't imagine being in like junior high and the anxieties or, and high school, uh, like the anxieties that go along with that and having yeah. things like Facebook, like my Lord. <laughs> um, but you know, like, and it, so, yeah, I mean like there's, there's all sorts of ups and downs. And then I think like musically to kind of tie it back to that of, it was a pretty cool feeling. Like I've never had a band that was on a record label in which somebody else took the effort to pressing something. Yeah. And um, I've, I've completely self-financed this band up to this point. And I was like, man, I don't have the money to do vinyl myself. Mm -hmm. And Gunner, Gunner, our label head did. And today was the first album we sold in North America. And so even though we have all this technology in our pockets to have something that kind of goes back and is very physical uh, and for them to be enthusiastic, was like, man, it was a really good feeling today. Yeah. And I was just working, pouring pints for people. And then to have somebody be like, Oh, I love your band. You want to, can I buy a record? And it was funny by other people in the bar seeing that he had one other people that didn't know we had records. So I didn't even know, listen to my band or like, can I buy one? Yeah the fuck is going on right now <laughs> really sure like, yeah and vinyl is a funky thing that way and and i remember vinyl being a kid and vinyl going oh damn it there's only 22 minutes of music on this side and then i gotta flip it over and listen to the other side of that pink floyd album but yeah. you know and and that's kind of how vinyl was to me it was almost a hindrance yeah and, and then when cds came out everybody's like oh no this, this is the way it goes way to go and now everybody's like Fuck CDs. We don't want CDs anymore. We want we want to have it on my phone. It's right here. I got two thousand songs on my phone, and uh, you know. But no one's thought about when the lights get turned out. When the lights actually get turned out, and there's no power, and there's no, you know, what are we gonna do? We have vinyl. You know, we'll have your record, and yeah. we, you know, we'll have some other records. But that's it. That's all we have. Yeah. You know? I think even when they sent like a, a thing out into space, there was there was records on it, but they put data on it where they could actually. You know, somehow, if if you're smart enough, and you got this vinyl record from Earth, you could you could you could somehow get the information about who Earthlings were and stuff like that. I, it's yeah. it's interesting stuff. It will stay there forever because it's quite simple. You know, if totally. you think about it. You know, the process. And it's strange, like because CDs for me are like, because you know, I think um, you, you kind of. I think most people kind of go back that you know, for people that are into music. Um, of when, if you are musically inclined, where you think music is my everything, that CDs was that time. And I had this giant thing. All my friends called it the Bible because I just said every punk rock CD you could imagine, we would take it everywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where that is now. <laughs> but but I still like, you know, my impulse is to still buy CDs because like I want to support bands. I want to yeah. give them money. And also like that's like... 400 fucking records and i don't have the money to buy that all on vinyl again yeah know? that's true that's exactly true you've said it there and and i've had this conversation with people about vinyl and people who kind of get a little bit high on the vinyl like oh, this is the vinyl but my only argument to it is okay it's great you've put the vinyl in there's a process and you've cleaned it off and you put your needle on it you listen to it but when i walk in the woods and i'm listening to a record on my phone it's a yeah. completely different experience because I'm in the woods. I'm walking. I have these things in my ears that are playing totally. music into my brain. And I can look around and go, oh, this is much more visceral to me. This is this feels better. I know? completely agree. You know, so there's just a whole other context involved, you know, and, and that's what, what 
you know, vinyl is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a process of putting a thing down and it's this piece of physical object, which is so minimal in the world now, because everything is just so virtual and it, here it is, it's this thing. And, and it's just, it's, it's simple to think about how it was built, but here I am listening to it on, you know, I don't know about the whole warmer thing. I don't know if I really want to, you know, subscribe. It's warmer. Is it warmer? Like, oh, like vinyl itself? Yeah. Uh, I, you know what, man? I personally, I don't buy it. Like, <laughs> um, and don't get me wrong. Like there's, uh, there's a time that like, you're talking like atmosphere there, which I can really connect with because like, if I'm sitting, there was this one smoking room in Berlin and it was just like very dimly lit and uh, they had a vinyl player going where it just like suited the atmosphere. But mm-hmm. it's like, for me, music is feeling. Yeah. And uh, like you were exactly what you said. Uh, and actually there's a little bit on the record where the, the way the record goes out um, is a distinct nod actually to a bit bouncing souls thing. Whereas, cause I remember camping. Yes. We had CD players at the time and being by myself when everyone was passed out. I've been awake for like three hours and there's this, the last song on anchors away by bouncing souls ends with a general fade of him just saying like goodbye. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever heard in my life. Um, and I was like, I want a record to go out that way. Mm-hmm. And that didn't matter if it was vinyl, CD, virtual, fucking nothing. It was a feeling. Yeah. And that, yeah, I don't like, I'm not as I've said, a technological person, but the fact that my phone, like I have the entirety of human knowledge and human music at my fingertips. Yeah. And if I want to go for a run or if I want to go walk by myself, or if I'm having like the worst day ever, I can go anywhere and do that conveniently. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah, pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, I remember being at a cottage and I'm thinking about a band and I go, wait a minute, they're on iTunes. Let's just get it. And then, <laughs> Let's push the boat out and go on iTunes and buy this album. And then, Five minutes later, we're listening to um, a band called Boys Night Out. We're listening to Trainwreck. We're listening to this album, and it's yeah. like, see, this is this is where technology works. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And like, I think I was I was really impressed too. Like last year, I was driving to Minneapolis by myself, and uh, just a heads up, uh, my phone just hit three percent. So Uh-oh. if we cut out, um, ugh, fuck. Let's uh, you know, what we should do is say our goodbyes, and then we'll keep going, and then I'll 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 rearrange it if it if it all works out. Um, yeah, let's do that, and um, uh, let me see if I can grab a charger and come right back. Like, are you down? Are you free to keep talking? No, I'm free to, to keep it? going, but I want to make sure that we can end it, and just in case everything goes wonky, then if your phone dies, I'm you know. So uh, let's do it. It's it's kind of I have to make a mark here so I don't sound so fucking weird. Well, here we are. We're here, back. Here we are. Back again. <laughs> back again. Um, can I ask you a question? And, sure. Uh, I never uh, would have expected myself to, like, just, like, hearing about, like, everything that you've, like, accomplished and done within, like, punk rock and Canadian music and stuff that like, it's a really cool feeling just as, like, a music fan myself to be able to have this conversation. Oh, well, that's so cool. That's cool. And, and to hear you say that you enjoyed the album. Like, I'm just curious what you liked about it it was it had that it had the midwest um roots rock thing that i like you know where it's like rock and roll 
it's it's chords, simple chords. The lyrics spoke to me in a way that I appreciate. You know, like I, you know, it was it it wasn't overcomplicated, but it was just so um, lyrically and as well as musically, it all sort of bound together, and it felt good. And there's not a lot of records that actually sound good and feel good at the same yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I really did. I really liked it because every song came up. I'm like, oh my God, when's this song? Because you know, in records, you're usually like, when's this, when's it going to kind of like die away? And it, it didn't really for me. And it was a, le- it was a repeat listen, you know? So, and, you know, like as listen, you know, I'm a fan of music. Cause so I, I really like it when it, when good stuff comes along, you know? Yeah. You know, so thank you. <laughs> well, no, thank you, man. I mean, like, I guess like, it's just like, there's this weird intersection of things going on right now of like, um you know having been involved with music for the first time you know like in in ways like working with melanie and stuff like this is all very foreign and but actually and also i think to be completely objective i think this is the first time i've put out what i feel confident in saying is a good album Mm -hmm. to get response about it is really nice but it's also kind of foreign that like i like to hear that like is no small thing to me um but it also makes me very curious because i'm also like i feel like very pervasively aware of dickheads <laughs> and whenever i see like uh a band who just wears it on the shoulder like it, not even just bands like people in general who just like have this overt confidence i was just like man like where does that come from yeah and also how are you so not self-aware that like you're acting like an asshole and like just just to hear that is just really nice man i just really appreciate well, hey, that hey you know i i have to like i said credit is where credit is due because i listened to it and i was already aware of the fact that after hearing what you played i'm like i'm gonna get along with this guy i know this person like this is the type of person that i can have a conversation with you know and Cool. You know, and I've, like I said, I, I do the podcast out of love, you know, and I love music and I love working in music and I love talking to people who like to talk about music. Totally. But there's occasionally, sometimes you get that one band or group member, you're like, really? Really? Is that all you got? You know what I mean? And, and I try to find as much goodness out of it as that I can, but there's been a few occasions where you're like, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not into this. <laughs> you know, it's the same with like putting putting on shows and running a venue, and like yeah. there haven't been too many occasions throughout music where I've been, there, there have been a couple where I'm like so let down by a band that I like. So I'm like, wow, you guys are jerks. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. like that sucks because <laughs> it's tough to meet your idol and go, oh, you're a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, and and maybe you can get the same feeling. Like, there's one band of which will re- remain nameless. Uh, that like, uh, like I, I can't feel the same way I felt about their music, uh, and it was only really because one of them was just such a fucking asshole. Yeah, and like, and that sucks because you, you know, like music can belong to each of us in so many different and subtle ways. That like songs that used to like really make me think about how I felt and connect, you know, you know like that kind of thing where it like breaks your heart in all the right ways. Like I'm yeah. stoked to be sad right now. And now I'm just like, can't help it. Like, well, you're a dickhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that's all I can think of. Yeah. And if you look on the other side of the pendulum too, you'll meet 
a, you'll think the music is like, God, I don't really like the music, but then you meet the people and you're like, Oh, actually for some reason now I'm actually into your band. I completely agree. Like, cause, yeah. but you find ways to like kind of fortify like, well, you're really good. So I'm going to look at this in a different perspective. And it also just makes you like, I don't know. I think there's almost something like evolutionary and bio, like biological in there where it's like, I'm going to support what I care about and I will do whatever. And absolutely there. And what's even cooler, I think too, is when you realize that you were being the dickhead that I was like, Oh, I didn't give this the time of day, but this is legitimately great music. And yeah. the fact that they're legitimately great people makes it even better. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like I've worked for bands and over the past four years, I worked for a country band and I didn't think I'd ever like, country music but i like these people so for some reason they get a pass you know and yeah it's amazing you know we go to these crazy country festivals and everybody's wearing a cowboy hat and you're like what's happening where how did i get here you know like why am yeah. i here you know they're laughing at me go like look at all the cowboy hats and they're like yeah it's a fucking con it's a country festival get over it <laughs> but but here i am this like sort of like indie punk rock dude in, in a country show you know and yeah but i like them so much i like them as people that i can like i said i mean i don't i don't you know, I can see through the fakeness of music. You know, I, I think we uh, we can see through how music is trying to be contrived and trying to like be successful, and you're trying yeah. to hit a market and all that stuff. And I understand that stuff. And we know that nine times out of ten, it's luck that we're gonna yeah. possibly get a kick at the can. And mm -hmm. you know, and I truly think though, if it feels right, something good is gonna happen. If it doesn't, it felt right doesn't yeah. matter you know what i mean so you tried your best and you made your best music and you weren't trying to like fool anybody and this this that's what i get from your band is that you're not trying to fool anybody you're trying to give them an experience and they're taking the experience i am and going oh okay great i can associate to that because it doesn't need yeah. a lot of words it doesn't need a lot of explanation it just needs to feel right and that's mm -hmm. that's music that wow you said that really well um like there's a couple things it's funny too of like making a record and this is like the first time like where like like i'm not an overly good guitar player like i'm i'm left-handed but i play guitar and it, um maybe i'm making excuses but i play <laughs> guitar right-handed yeah. but like there's just like little things that only music dorks don't understand i'm like well like my right hand which i pick with isn't as dexterous as my left hand uh, but before this album, like I played every day because I just wanted to make sure that when we're in the ah, crap, I'm getting a knock. Just give me one second. Okay, sure. Fuck. Sorry about that. That's all um, right. It was like, I, I just, I didn't, there's been times before in the studio or just in life in general where like you're confronted with something and you're like, you know what? That happened because I didn't do my best. And I wanted to play every day for a couple hours that not only did I know that I did my best, but should I hit that wall and that barricade, I have the psychological confidence to be like, there's nothing I could have done differently. So you'll get there. Yeah. And, to contribute like to attribute that to like feeling is there's just like a couple things that like nobody else is going to give a shit about but like 
I can hear on the record of like, like there's one about my grandma and my, my grandpa. Well, there's two about them, but um, there's just this one note that I hit that for whatever reason it is within my brain, it's just me hit a note. It's not good guitar playing. Mm-hmm. It just, it strikes a perfect kind of melancholy that just takes me exactly to the feeling that I have when I'm at my grandparents' farm and, uh, and, and that's it, man. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like that's, that's cool. Do you, uh, are you, are you a fan or do you follow Ben Folds' music? Ben Folds? Not much actually. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm familiar, but I'm not like well-versed. Because he, there's a, he wrote an album called Songs for Silverman. And he went on a completely different thing because he was like writing songs that were all on computer and perfect. And then he put this album out. It's called Songs for Silverman, which is like really playing with a real band all at the same time. And you hear him, they're, they're playing through and they have a little documentary on it and he's playing through and you can hear a, a blatant mistake. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I like it. I like that. And they're like, yeah. well, there's a mistake. And you know, I just think it's cool. I like that. I want to keep it. And it's all... You know, going through that motion, like, well, yeah, doesn't need to be perfect, you know. And as a, you know, I record bands and things, and as, as a person, it's that's such a fine line between making things perfect and making things feel right. And unfortunately, yeah. sometimes you're gonna lose a little bit of perfectness, or lose a bit of feeling for a bit of perfectness. And I don't know, it's it's such a funny thing, you know. I I I'm trying to get back back more to off the floor kind of stuff and. Like, yeah. Did you guys record in Edmonton or did you, re- where did, where did you? We did record in Edmonton, which was not my initial plan. Yeah. Um, like, and I, I really want to do it one day. Like I really like the almost kind of romanticized idea of going to a different city that I'm not even very familiar with and recording of just being, cause it, it, it's always been like, you know, uh, work a job and then go to the studio or go to the studio and work a job. Yeah. Like, the idea of having two weeks to be completely focused on something. Like I, I would love to do that one day. That's not where we're at yet. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But being that this album was very much made possible because of moving back to Edmonton, originally we were going to do it in Vancouver. And I was like, no, let's do it in Edmonton. Cause should we want to call up, you know, a random friends because it's an Edmonton record. Uh, I want them to be there, yeah. you know? And, and and we didn't actually end up. What's weird is we didn't actually end up doing too much of that, but it felt. It just, it, it's weird to say because it just it felt right. And the guy that uh, did it, he he mostly does like pop rock bands and pop music. But really? him and I got along really well. He's like, I've only ever worked with like one punk band, and but we just got on really well as people. That it felt right. Mm-hmm. and um it wasn't like a producer thing or anything um it was just like here's our songs we're gonna do it but we yeah it just i don't know it clicked yeah no it definitely it's 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 recorded well like it's recorded mixed and it sounds it sounds really good and it's easier to do stuff like that now than it was 20 years ago you know and i can only imagine yeah, yeah. you know the just I'm not saying that we had computers or whatever. They had computers back then too, you know. But just to make it just just the how it was recorded, like how it was sampled and how it was put into a hard drive and stuff. We've come so far now over the just over the past ten years, how to capture music. And mm-hmm. 
you know, there's that sort of like, you went to a studio, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like people are saying now that, well, everybody's got a laptop and everybody's in their ba- I'm in my basement. I got a laptop, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. I recorded some great music over the past 10 years because yeah, yeah. it was a laptop, you know what I mean? It, because it was, yeah. you know, it was right there. And then we just put it down and it sounded good. Well, there was no hindrance, you know? Our, our album was completely through computers. Like it wasn't like, yeah. Um, and I, I, again, like not knowing what any of that stuff does, like he has his own studio. Um, he's actually since moved. His name's Brad uh, Smith, by the way, he's a phenomenal dude. And um, he's got the most common name of all names. though, right? It's true. His name's yeah, Brad yeah. Smith. I mean, I got less syllables in uh, than him, but <laughs> yeah. uh, same, same initials though. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh you know, like it was a studio. Like, I mean, the previous albums that I've made, we've made in people's living rooms and made yeah. in people's basements, and some of which are considered professional, some of which are not. Yeah. Uh, whereas his was like, you know, we had like a vocal booth, which was, and like, yeah, just like weird things of like getting the encouragement and like of, of being like, hey, you know what you can accomplish of him. Like, and this sounds really strange, but he had this glowing light that would change colors and he's like he put this dark curtain up and you're in your room by yourself even though you're in a band with your friends that you should feel confident and comfortable of being by yourself and really trying to think about especially on like you know emotionally um charged songs that just being in this dark little room with this one glowing orb that's like green or blue or whatever mm-hmm. it was kind of like helped you get into it and like yeah. it felt cool and like i'm glad there's no video of it because i'm sure it would be hilarious <laughs> yeah. but like at times still being like this punk rock like, and, yeah. and allowing myself to let go to the point where i'd be like singing a line and I'd, I'd still be like like giving it like i was playing live or giving it like i was yeah. 16 years old and moshing mm-hmm. and, I, and i feel like it comes across a couple times on the album yeah and or like losing your breath and kind of like what you're saying about Ben Folds of like sing along so hard that you can hear the voice crack. But I'm like, no, that's what it should sound like. Mm-hmm. You know, like well, there's uh, a knock. I heard the knock. Fuck. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, but, good, man. Yeah, and like that's honestly like one of my like absolute favorite parts of the record that still makes me like, you know, kind of emotional about like, you know, in regarding, you know, uh, a, a friend and his family of like singing it so hard and being so emotionally connected to it at the moment where it, you know, like I was upset. Yeah. And I'm really glad that. And if nobody else notices, that's fine. But I can listen to the record with even more content because I was like, okay, that's that that's what you needed to do. So, yeah, it just made me think about, you know, I've played on saying and made records, and the unfortunate part of it is that you can't experience it like a listener. You know, when I when I'm listening to my favorite album, I I get to a certain part of the record and I go, oh, this is the part where I, you know, when I was this age, that I really 
like, yeah. you know, this is this, and I feel like this again, you know, and yeah. it's a whole different experience when you've made it and you've put it down and you have to listen to it. And I keep, I, I, I attribute success to the fact that I don't cringe as much as I used to. You know, there's moments when you're like, oh, God, I really, I really suck then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And I don't suck as much anymore, you know, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and we're getting older and we're, we're understanding a little bit more about music because we're older and that's, you know, that's a whole other conversation about successful musicians are generally under the age of 20 or whatnot. But, you know, <laughs> here we are, you know, we're older, we're getting older and we're going to be getting older. And we're going to, you know, I always thought that musicians were like fine wine, you know, you get better, you know, yeah. you, you find, you find what, what makes you good. And then you get good at that because you have the age and the, you know, the um, perspective to yeah. say, oh, this is where I'm good at. This is what I'm good at. And you said it before. We're like, I'm not much of a guitar player. You know what I mean? Like, but, yeah. you know, I make what I, you know, you know, I played in a band where I was with a great guitar player, but I was the one with vibe. I got the yeah. vibe, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I, I know how to do what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Well, can yeah. I actually, I had the question, uh, can I play a song or two while we're doing this? Of course. Okay, yeah. good. Because I know it's it's out. It's not out yet, right? It is, yes. Is it? Oh, okay, okay, great. Maybe I read the thing wrong. I thought it wasn't out until May. I think, well, I, I think actually that, because I got another interview where like, it comes out May 3rd. I'm like, no, it came out March 3rd. Oh. But I, I feel like Melanie may have put May 3rd. Okay. Which I don't like. And she is like a rock and roll god. All right. I'm like, by the way, <laughs> like, I, I like, I, and you know what? Even at this point, it's actually probably smart to be um saying it's not out yet because i keep hype revving like hey yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> relic that you've been sitting on um so yeah. i'm i'm just gonna let it ride because like you know misadventure and confusion is much funnier than structure then i'm gonna play the whole album no, okay no. <laughs> I'm, I'm very i'm very curious what songs you're gonna pick Oh, I got my. You know what? It's been a, it's been a few like a couple of days since I heard it, but I, I there's somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle there. I, if I had a list okay. on that, I could tell you which ones are my favorite. But cool. the, oh yeah, no, it's it's a great album, man, and you should be proud of it because it's Thank uh, you. it's 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 a uh, it's a journey, you know. And you know that's that's what we only really want to do is we want to take people on that little trip, who we are, what we do. And, yeah, you know, you know, and and you do it, you do it great. So, uh, That's and really, you're coming to Toronto, really cool right? To you're coming to Toronto. We are, yes, in okay. May. Uh, I I don't know the exact day off the top of my okay. head, and I'm I'm really curious about it actually too because, um, I understand. I I feel like I have a really good understanding that like we are a small, you know, nothing band at this point, but we have worked really hard over the last couple of years, and there. Are, are some people that are really excited to see it there are not many in total but like playing pizza fest or like again i like that underdog feeling of like hey so you're buried lower in the listing i'm like that's where i want to be because i want to prove to anybody that gives us the time of day to listen to us because i mean like i'm older man like i i don't take that for granted like if somebody takes the time to listen to our record i want to make sure it was worth their while you know? Yeah. Well, us couldn't be a better um, stage for you because it is, in fact, one of the better festivals to get on. Absolutely. Know, for 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 punk rock. Absolutely. 
They, they thought about it. It was funny because I didn't think it was going to come out this year. They were thinking like, that's it. We're done. We're not doing yeah. Putzfest anymore. And, you know, and I met Hugo a few years ago when I was doing the show. And he was like, yeah, yeah you know, you know, and he, he kind of had this sort of like, well, I don't know if we're going to do it anymore. And, uh, but that's a great festival to be on because it has weight. It's almost like, you know, like it has that sort of like, this is what people look forward to. You know? and yeah, it's, it's like a resume. Like, like on, like on a, because I've been to Pootsfest twice. The first time was just as a fan. That's um, uh, one of my good friends lived in Montreal. One of my friends, good friends, lived in Vancouver, or I would say my two best friends. And you know, we were at this point a couple years removed from living in the same city. And I was like, somebody asked the other day, they're like, "What's your best memory of Pootsfest?" And honestly, like, I love the music. I love the festival. But it was sitting with my two best friends on his balcony just talking about nothing yeah and Absolutely. being that that festival brought us together you know and um, the next time we got back from europe and i just played i wasn't even formally on the lineup i just played acoustically at like an informal show um and so this time like because i'd heard it was maybe gonna go down like go under yeah and like to be there like again tangential but one of the best reactions that we got from our label in europe was that even on slower shows where you can you can see people's spirits kind of sagging is that we played our hardest every night which i'm a firm believer in that brought who was there into it and much more participating mm -hmm. that made for really great nights and I, I think we had a little part in that yeah you know? yeah absolutely and and it's uh, it's funny how being a musician and turning bad situations into good situations is always a win. It's yeah. always a win, you know, and you think, you know, we've, you know, we did a show years ago with Dillager Escape Plan and I thought they're going to fucking hate us. They're going to, you know, they're going to eat us alive. Yeah. Yet the people had heard bands that sounded like that all day. And here we show up and they're like, Oh wow. Thank you for coming. Like it was a completely different experience. Wh which get, band was this? I had, I had a band called Foursquare. And we're, okay. on, we're on Bad Taste Records um, out of Sweden. And we were playing like this little festival that Dillinger Escape Plan was playing. But every band that played it sounded like Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't. So I I took that as a little win. You know, like there's a little win here because, um, you know, we're turning people around. And that's what, you know, it's kind of what you were explaining. You just sort of get people on board, you know, and it's a tough thing to do. Mm -hmm. and it takes honesty to do it. So. I would, uh, yeah, I would, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. I think we should wrap up. It's getting up to twelve thirty a.m. in the morning in my time. Well, how, how about this, man? I, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get in your way, but like, I would really love to like buy you a coffee or something when we're on our way out east, mm -hmm. and we could just like rap about stuff because like man like this has been a real pleasure so thank you for taking the time thank you well i appreciate you saying that you know and i definitely will when you come in to toronto where are you playing in toronto because usually there's a puts a there's a toronto show some oh you don't know yet we're, maybe it's bovine no, no. is it bovine we are doing bovine again yeah yeah okay cool all yeah. right i'm coming out yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna come out and we'll have coffee oh my god i was uh the last time i was there i was not in good shape so i would love to <laughs> Have a have a coffee rather than nine hundred beers, and uh, <laughs> shake your hand and just say thank you because this has been a lot of fun. Oh, great! Well, I appreciate you doing the show, man. Anytime. Cool. 
that was Ben Sir, everybody. He is uh, is a sweet dude. Good, Good to talk to. Fun to talk to. Knowledgeable. Wise beyond his years. And, uh, yeah, that's fun. I enjoy that. And uh, I hope you like the song. Please don't forget to check out Worst Days Down's record elsewhere, which is out now. And you can uh, enjoy it like I do. I got it for free. (laughs) I'm lucky. I got it for free. So anyways, hey, listen. Uh, Usually I save... uh, Nobody's listening at the end. Everybody switches it off at this point. So I'm going to tell you, I'm very tired. I've worked a lot of hours, and I really, 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 really still enjoy doing this podcast. So thank you so much for listening to this show. I'm going to put a secret word in here. Ready for the secret word? What's the secret phrase? Leafs lost. There it is. Leafs lost, and I'll send you the four square to stop. Okay? So, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. We'll see you next week. I got uh, Joe Carvello. Of, uh, he's a mastering guy. He's an engineer and a sweetheart and, and a very knowledgeable person. This could be going on. This is a long one. This is a long episode. So, anyways, um... Oh, and I jacked my back, too, so I, I, I actually am not sleeping well. So I'm a little delirious. And uh, so <laughs> I'll see you next week, everybody. Have a good uh, good week. And uh, thanks for coming back every week. We'll see you again. Bye.